to the Esoteric Way podcast with Josh and Mark. We're excited. Today's episode is really interesting. We're going to discuss a topic that we know affects a lot of people, including ourselves. We're going to talk about alcohol and drugs, especially as it relates to spirituality. We're going to get into some really interesting stuff, including our own personal experiences with substance. So let's strap in and check out today's episode. So now we'll have to start. <laughs> and now so, we begin. Now we begin. So, Josh, I'm, I'm excited, man, to, to talk. We just had a nice, you know, pre-recording conversation and caught up on our lives. And it's always, it's, I just want to say it's always really great to chat with you. And another thing, if there are any listeners out there um, checking us out on this podcast, um, Josh and I have really cool and deep conversations about our personal lives a lot and what's going on. And, and I just uh, value Josh's friendship and wisdom and an ear and also um just the, the the really similar paths that we both have in our lives so cool to be with you for this podcast episode my friend ah the feeling is so mutual my man mark and yeah it's really interesting because god puts these similar patterns in our lives at the same time <laughs> so that's maybe where iron sharpens iron we're meant for community and we're meant to discuss our lives and these kinds of topics together because it does enrich yeah. all of us. So yeah, appreciate you, man. And I'm excited about this topic of substance use and alcohol and drugs today, because I, I guess that's one of the big things that led to my spiritual awakening. What are your thoughts yeah. about it? Well, gosh, I have a lot there. I mean, I've, I've the two things that have been sort of distractions in my life have been mostly alcohol. That's the one that I still enjoy partaking in the most. And, and sometimes, sometimes weed. Um, it's really rare for me on the weed side now. It's something that I spent a lot of time doing in my college years and a little bit after that. Um, and I have my thoughts on both of those, but it's it's a struggle because I think, you know, we're ultimately trying to tap into something a little bit deeper, both spiritually and in ourselves. I think we have this innate knowledge and understanding that we can be and are a little bit more than our daily walking selves. And sometimes that substance just gives us that little added boost. And we feel good, whether it's a feeling or ability to communicate or, you know, tapping into to something else. I think they're enticing, um, but there's also something very cool about long periods of sobriety that you and I have talked about and experienced as well. So there's really a lot here. I think there's a lot biblically. Um, to, to speak about. And I think this topic is just super interesting because I think it pertains to, gosh, most people in our society these days. Yeah, it really does, man. I mean, if we are biochemical organisms and we know with the mental health field, if you take selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, you're going to feel more happy. Um, so yeah. like our emotions have a biochemical component. Um, and I think it's a, a chicken egg thing. What's causing what the, the emotion might be causing the biochemical reactions too. But we right. know that if we do change our biochemistry, whether it's through a kind of substance or a prescribed medication, it changes our whole perspective on reality. Like I love what you said there about, I think humans just recognize that there's more than meets the eye. We crave that. We've almost got this memory of heaven and we're craving to get back to that heaven. And in a reductionist materialist society that says, well, the whole point is just to make a bunch of money and just to like impress other people. We're like, ah, oh, there's got to be more. It's got to be more than right. this. 
And so the substance yeah. can zoom you out a little bit and help you to see things from some deeper angles, pull you into yourself and to like connect with your own past or to connect to these, these higher dimensions. Um, and yet it comes with a price. Like that's the thing, dude. It's, it's like you're saying, and the Bible does, does speak to these kinds of things. So I guess I paid the price uh, a couple of times. And yet, I don't know. It was also the thing, like I said, that started me believing that the spiritual journey was real because I, I've shared that I was raised Catholic. I, I thought it was kind of abstract. I guess I believed, but I wasn't like a passionate believer until it was weed, uh, which you talk about, which is a mild psychedelic, I guess. It's in its own class. But I yeah. started smoking at 16, but at age 22, I pierced through the veil on the substance. Uh, psychedelics mean mind manifesting or entheogens mean the God within. I was able to tap into the reality of my mind and the divinity within and without in these profound ways that revealed everything in the Bible was actually true. It started speaking to me through these weird synchronicities, and it took on a life of its own, a lot of which was verified by objective evidence and objective people as well. So I know that I was tapping into something. And then I had a choice, I guess. What this thing was trying to convince me of is it felt like a, a moth being attracted to like the flicker of a luminescent light. Flicker, flicker. But I somehow maybe it was through my upbringing and maybe through the guidance of my family around me and stuff that I recognized that it was a luminescent light. It, I'd already started my flight path, but I was able to redirect out of the window towards the sun. And I see a lot of people in my life, uh, people that I work with, who are still busy bumping their head against that that luminescent light uh, because it, it mimics the light, but it's not the actual light. So if you guys listening, maybe you can relate that like there's something there. And I think it's really cool for us to bring our experiences to the round table and discuss them because we all want that same thing within the human heart. Like Augustine says, this God-shaped hole, what is the, the best way to get it? Josh, what do you think it was that was communicating with you? Yeah, so esoteric what, what, way, like esoteric is like a hidden dimension. It's kind of like a secret right. way. Yes. It's like you said, man, I think that actually there's much more to this this life than we're taught in schools. There's multi-dimension stacked upon itself. If we think that even now we're in a physical dimension, but we're also having a cognitive dimension, there's a verbal dimension to what's happening now. But there's also a spiritual dimension, which is as real. It's like, well, is our cognitive dimension more real than our physical dimension? No, they're just kind of like simultaneous processes. It's the same with the spiritual dimension, the metaphysical, just the, the higher than physical. It's very real, dude. And it's inhabited by sentient entities, beings, intelligences, patterns, archetypes. And so I believe that what psychedelics do is they reset your default mode network in the brain. So all the shortcuts that you've developed throughout life, which end up blocking off the majority of these dimensions and stimuli, because it's just too much to process, they they dissolve that um, default mode network. So you can reconfigure your perception in new ways. So I think that I was communicating with uh, beings who at the time I thought were maybe my ancestors, maybe aliens, maybe uh, angels, but now I've come to see them more as maybe the gods with a, a lower G in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. I think that there's more than one God. God Yahweh is the, the head of the council of gods. And I think that these lower dimensional, I mean, lower kind of hierarchical entities, they have power for sure. And they, they can give us stuff. I'm not saying they're all bad, but I found them more tricky than good. Like I couldn't completely trust them. 
So that, that's my perspective. What do you think, dude? Man, I, I, that was explained really well. And there's a couple of things that you just mentioned that I definitely want to touch on. First of all, going into those other dimensions, I think is absolutely real. I think that's been confirmed, you know, through psychedelics. I think that's been confirmed through a lot of people. But the experience that I hear that people have a lot of times is they encounter negative entities. And whether it's through weed, mushrooms, acid, I don't think we we necessarily or even ayahuasca. I don't I don't think we necessarily have the control of what we encounter on the other side. So I want to put this out as kind of a warning. If anybody's listening and they're going, oh hey, you know it's totally cool and Christian, and I'm gonna you know to to do these psychedelics and I'm gonna count on these angels and I'm gonna get the spiritual experience. I, I mean I think you have to be really really careful of that because not only is there the potential for for negative entities to to get involved there's the potential for those negative entities to appear as positive entities and i've got some experience with some people very very close to me who have had like channeling experiences yeah um and in looking back on what what those channelers were saying it was all really nice stuff but it was really just taking these people away from God and Christ. And that's a whole nother rabbit hole, a whole deeper thing um, there. So, yeah, I mean, I've had experiences too. I, I've done mushrooms like once in my life and I had this totally awakening experience and I felt the connection of all things. And I really, really felt like there was this total other dimension that I had access to. And I like the trees were speaking to me and was it all real? Was it in my mind? Were there entities? I'm not exactly sure, but it certainly opened something. Um, the other thing that I wanted to mention there is you were talking about gods with a lower G and that I believe is totally scripturally accurate. Um, if you look at Michael Heiser's work, uh, he's got a book called The Unseen Realm, and he is just an epic Bible scholar, really by the book, pulls everything from scripture. But I think um, in one of the Psalms, it talks about uh, the other hosts of heaven or the, the spiritual council, even when 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 in Genesis, what it says, um, you're created in our image. A lot of Christians take the our image thing and think it's the, the you know, uh, God, Christ and the Holy Spirit. But God wouldn't have to speak to Jesus and the Holy Spirit in, in that way. And Heiser uncovers this as God is speaking to his heavenly counsel. So this is this has really been unpacked and talked about quite a bit, even in, in, in scholarly stuff as it relates to Christianity and the Bible. And I think that you're absolutely spot on when it comes to that. Um, you know, I think your experience is super unique because I think you're a person that, you know, God speaks to us as who we are. You know, he's made us all similar in his image, in their image, if you will, but also unique. And I think he has to work with each person in a slightly unique way. And for you, you know, gosh, this is like this all opens this other can of, can of worms, which is predestination versus free will. And this is a, con a topic that I, I like unpacking how much value it has. I'm not quite sure, but there's almost this aspect of like, if there's a predestination, underlying predestination there, are you a predestined one that God was like, I've got to figure out, you know, I've got to move him along his path and sort of awaken him to the reality of who I am, you know, and who Christ is. And this is the way I'm going to do it with Josh. Um, am I saying that predestination is real? I'm not sure. I'm not saying yes or no. Um, even if it's, if it's free will, God wants to give you the opportunity to make that choice of choosing him and seeing God in that real way. So I, I always found that that experience that you had just just super fascinating. 
I have not had quite the level of personal experience through any psychedelics like you have. Um, I have smoked marijuana. For me, it becomes more like an opening uh, of a creative channel for me. And I do, I've come up with a lot of cool ideas, <laughs> ideas that I've used, um, you know, musically and in business and in other aspects of my life after smoking weed. Um, it's, it's less of a practical tool now that I have a family and it kind of messes me up in some other ways. But um, I just find your experience just super duper cool and super duper fascinating. But I don't think it would necessarily be everyone's experience. So I would put a warning on uh, on a lot of psychedelics, even weed. Um, I think it can take a lot of people down down the wrong path. Yeah, man, I think that's really important to bring up. And I'd be really interested to both talk about predestination and free will in a different episode and to hear about those channeling experiences, because that that is what I think it is. It's opening a portal to that level of communication from a dimension yes. that's saturated with beings. And so if you're just up there waving a flag, hi, everybody, come talk to me. Well, then either you're going to get a good one or not a good one. That's I right. also want to like preface that with saying that some people think they can protect themselves by putting up like all these force fields and only letting in the light and that kind of stuff. Um, but I've, I tried to do that and I found it didn't work. I was in seminary at the time. And I was putting up the armor of God, dude. I was using the sword of the word of God and, you know, the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation every time before I would smoke and in it. And I still got possessed by this other dimensional being. So I know that um, this is a portal. These substances are a portal. Like it becomes a question of how far does that go? Is alcohol also a portal? Well, I think it is, man, because when I get rat face wasted, <laughs> this, I get I tap into the same kinds of... Uh, dimensions or ocean it's like an oceanic kind of meandering and i can draw on like creative inspiration like you're saying i can draw on the big picture but there's also this other being that that comes through me there's the like aspects of my experience that i won't remember i also start to become darker in in a way but it seems like light to me and that's that's what I guess my experience of so-called psychosis was is the darkest stuff seemed to be the highest concentration of light. Everything mm -hmm. kind of got mm -hmm. flipped around. Um, so I'd be interested to hear what your perspective on alcohol is because that's so popular within our culture. And I have yeah, found yeah. that taken to the, the same level, it does also open us up to these dimensions, spirits, like they call alcohol spirits. And yet Jesus yeah. drank and like his whole sacrament was the wine and he made an abundance of wine at the three-day wedding festival, which That's would probably right. turn into many more days. So like, why dude, like, can we even touch this stuff? Should we not? Like, what are your thoughts about what alcohol does to you and how we navigate it? Man, that's a good segue because I have Matthew 26, 29 in front of me. What? And Matthew 26, 29 says from the new King James version, but I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. So we apparently have a drink waiting for us. You. If we choose God <laughs> and choose Christ with Jesus. I mean, it's right there in, <laughs> in the kingdom. So he's not saying don't drink. Uh, I, I, you know, what I gather in a, in a, in the largest sense from the Bible is that, gosh, drinking, especially wine, is all over. I mean, they mentioned beer a few times and other spirits and whatever. It's okay to have a drink. Sometimes I think Paul even recommends it in one of the letters. Like, yeah. hey, sometimes you need to relax with the drink. Um, Not relax. It's because of his stomach ailment. But anyway, carry uh, on. There you go. Yes. Um, but then 
drunkenness is certainly a sin. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, Satan is always looking for an opening with every single person. Those yeah. of us who have come to Christ, those of us who have not even paid attention to anything Christian, Satan is always trying to get us. And I believe his largest mission is to take as many people and draw them away from God and Christ as possible. It's not to make a bunch of people satanic and it's not to make a bunch of people do the worst of the worst. I think he gets off on doing that stuff too when he has the opportunity. But if he can just steer people away from God, I think that's a, a huge mission for him. And I think sometimes drinking, whether it's being intoxicated or even the few days after, um, gives gives Satan a lot of times that opportunity. Um sloth and just laziness and sort of a underlying sort of anxiety and stress. And I think that those give Satan, you know, some opportunities to really dive in and pull us away from who and what we are and what we want to be and, and focusing on God and Christ. Now, on the other hand, I mean, I love a good Friday evening and sitting down at a restaurant with my wife and opening a bottle of wine or being in my backyard on a beautiful sunny afternoon and drinking a craft beer. I still do those things. I do them regularly. I really try to, to keep it to like once a week, sometimes twice a week, but I, I definitely limit it compared to, to what things used to be um, in my life. So, you know, I it, spiritually, is it doing anything for me now? I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure if it really does. It's definitely like a little bit of an escapism situation where you just don't want to think about them. Even if they're good or bad, you're like, man, my, my, my weeks are consistent. I'm doing, I'm working, I'm, you know, doing stuff with my kids and, and, you know, all of that. And it's a little, not mundane. I love it, but sometimes you just want to break away from that and the drink helps. So, you know, I enjoy it. It, it feels good. Um, I'm not sure. If, I think, spiritually, if I was going to do the absolute best thing, I would probably not drink at all. Um, Because in the extended periods of sobriety that I've had in my life, and it's probably up to about three months is the max, um, without having a drink in the past few years, I feel really good, especially after like two weeks, and then after four weeks and six weeks, like I start ratcheting up my just general, you know, dopamine flow um, I just start, you know, instead of it being this artificial dopamine that I'm getting from the drinks, it's like my natural, my natural body and DNA and, or I'm sorry, my, my biology is taking over and, you know, I'm getting the happy juice that's, and I feel more spiritually connected. I feel more joyful. I feel more able to focus. So really it's these extended <laughs> periods of sobriety that probably work out the best, but I guess I'm not yet. I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I'm quite there. My life is still you know, set up in a way that if I have a, a glass of wine or two on a Friday night, I enjoy it. And I make that choice con consciously. There was a period in my life where I it just it was habit, you know, come home from work, open a beer. Um, it's definitely not that anymore. I really think about it. I go, okay, do I want to do this? Do I know what the price I'm going to pay tomorrow? Maybe you're not going to feel the best. Make the choice consciously. And so that's what I do uh, now when I have a drink. Yeah, yeah, well, really interesting, man, how it does give you that shift in perspective, because our, our days can kind of run into each other, and they can seem all the same thing. But then the alcohol for you is just that little escape, a little kind of shift in perspective. I uh, see my problem is that then that's all I can think about, like, then I get so stoked about it, dude. And then the whole day, I'm just looking forward to having that drink, 
or then I, yeah. I want to have it okay twice a week but then all I'm looking for is those two days and then I'm like well what about three times a week um, and I found like you said that you get better and better you feel better I don't know how you guys who are listening find coming off alcohol but for me there's the regular hangover and then I start to feel really good up until about a month of sobriety and then I start to get a little antsy and I don't know if that's my bipolar but I, I don't feel like I'm operating in my complete flow state and that sort of thing. Um, and so the longest I've gone since I was 16, I was a party animal, man. I used to drink so much and party so much. Um, the longest I've gone is six months. And I can't say that at the end of that six months, I was better than I was even when I was drinking. But I think what it is, is that I always knew that I was going to drink again. And uh, so it was just like white knuckling my way through it, which then just yeah. got me antsy. Lately, and I haven't had anything to drink uh, since my birthday, which is about a, almost two months now. Um, I've actually started to access that mode of perception sober. And the other day I had an experience with just the view and the trees and, and the breeze and stuff and music. And I was like, wait a minute, dude, this is the same stuff that I access when I'm drunk or even when I'm stoned. Oh my word, it's much more subtle, but it's so much more sustainable. So I think mm. that like maybe the cure for substance use and substance addiction is being able to access that heaven sober. And like, that's the 12th step yeah. program is the 12th step yeah. is as a result of the spiritual awakening, we take this message to others. So it's the right. spiritual awakening that liberates people. And so like, if we could learn to perceive that subtle level of reality within our daily experience, then maybe that, that can liberate us in profound ways. Well, I, I feel that, I feel that that's that subtle experience that I've had that, that does feel spiritual. It feels like a different level or dimension, if you will, that I'm living from, or that is just right there at the surface of my consciousness that, that it only creeps in, in longer periods of sobriety. I mean, it's subtle, man. I mean, one thing I remember when I was reading, like back when I was kind of a new agey dude and I was reading a Eckhart Tolle book, which I think there's a, some value in. Um, he, he talks about the now and the present moment a lot, the power of now. He talks about things of this world have two sides. There's an up and a down. So drinking alcohol comes with this up, but then the hangover on the downside. There's it's it's just this kind of like this um, you know this this duality. Right. Whereas things that are spiritually higher, they don't necessarily have that same duality. So I think that spiritual thing that's maybe more godly, that thing we can tap into with sobriety, maybe it doesn't have that downside, and that's the real. That's the that's like the real spiritual high that we can get the, the the high that's lasting the high that is true it's not induced by a by a chemical from this earth you know how spiritually can we get of something from this earth I don't know maybe maybe very highly spiritual I don't know it's a question um, but yeah I, I think it's, um, it's it's interesting when it comes to when it comes to alcohol when it comes to to drugs I mean gosh we we are stuck in a kind of a a funky reality here, aren't we? I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you don't even have to be involved in, but you just take a look out. You're like, man, there's, there's really crappy stuff happening in this world. And I think as sensitive people, sometimes it's hard. It's hard to take those things. It's hard to know they're going on. Um, and sometimes the only way to kind of get that out of our, our, our thoughts is to have a drink. I mean, I don't want to make excuses for it, but there's, again, there's like this escapism that I think we all naturally want to have because, this, this world pushes us. This world pushes us to always be working, always be achieving, mm -hmm. always be, you know, striving for the next thing. And I think 
under all, all that, we, we, many of us realize that that's not natural. It's not how we're supposed to live. And sometimes we just need a break. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I think we can handle those things better when we are, are sober. At least I can personally, I feel less anxious about them, but sometimes in the short term, I just, you know, a couple of IPAs and I'm, I'm like, sweet, I'm not thinking about those things anymore. I'm feeling good right now. Um, so shoot. I know it's something that many, many people deal with. Many people think about, struggle with, not, not that you're an alcoholic, but just deciding whether it's, it's the right thing to have a drink here or there or whether, whether or not to. But man, our culture definitely surrounds itself in alcohol. I mean, look, put up any, just about any show. Um, I was watching like a new Star Trek episode and the captain's always pouring himself like wine or a glass of whiskey or so. I mean, it's like drinking is everywhere in our culture. So it's one of those things where, if it's everywhere in our culture, it probably says to me we shouldn't do it because they tend to push things on us uh, that aren't in our best interest. At least that's been my observation. So, I mean, it's fascinating, man. It's a, it's a fascinating topic and something that I definitely think about quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, me too. And we, we both lived through it. Yeah, if it is being pushed in culture, which it's definitely being pushed, well, then why? And who does right. this world belong to? Like, is it the theater exactly right. of the deceiver? Is that the game? And so these things that masquerade as angels of light, are they there for the purpose of de developing discernment and learning how to really get get the light without bumping up our, our head against the fluorescent light bulb all the time? So, yeah, I mean, alcohol is being that thing. The deceiver? No, theater of the deceiver. What a great, like, phrase. Theater. It's like all the world's a stage, according to Shakespeare, man, and it's maybe the deceiver's stage, but maybe it is. Yeah, maybe absolutely. this is just—it's so that we can experience duality, and so that we can make a choice between between those two paths. Or maybe the path is the middle way, as the Buddhists yeah. say. Or maybe the road is very narrow, and it's very well, countercultural too. Sometimes a term or a phrase like that says so much. I think there's so much impact. Just that theater of the deceiver, if you. I mean, if, that sounds like the next metal album I'm going to listen to. Um, Sick, dude. We well, should create it. <laughs> that's our band, theater, or, the, or the, the album, the first album of our band, Theater of the Deceiver. I love it, dude. I love it. It but, just sounds uh, really terrible. Blah, 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 but then there's like a little nugget in, in there. We just but it's poetic, too. It just just rolls off the tongue. I, sometimes things like that catch me. I love it. I love it. But I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just had to. I had to bring that up. I, I, like I said, I wrote it down. Theater of That's the cool, man. Uh, <laughs> see, we're impacting each other, Mark. We're impacting each other. And yeah. you guys, the listeners, like I really enjoy our generation well, talking about this kind of stuff because in the previous generation, like, I don't know, it kind of seemed like alcohol was just the standard. And even right. in some, some cultures, like in South Africa and in England, to a large extent, alcohol is just the expected. Um, every event yeah. is, is about the alcohol. But I do think that we're we're seeing things from some fresh angles here in America. The next thing that's becoming legal are psychedelics. It's the psychedelic renaissance, and so yeah. there's a huge dichotomy between people thinking it's completely evil and people thinking it's the next best thing. It's the best thing since sliced bread. So I think the same principles that are there in alcohol now we can apply them to the psychedelic wave that's washing over us. And I think ultimately it all comes down to being able to separate the the nuggets from from the shaft, the weed from the shaft. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Gosh, there's, there's a, there's a lot in there. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a freedom loving person in the sense that I, 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 I don't like a lot of rules telling people what they can and can't do. Yeah. So the idea of 
psychedelics being legal doesn't necessarily turn me off in some ways, but in other ways, it absolutely does. It does as a father, because I know how susceptible society can be when things become legal, it almost becomes accepted. And I don't want to necessarily be in a place where everybody's on psychedelics all the time. Um, I even marijuana, uh, I, you know, there was a time in my life, I thought, of course, weed should be legal. But now it's like, I notice a big difference when I when I'm in places where weed is legal, just in the whole tone, not that everybody's walking around, you know, baked all the time, but it just feels different. It feels more like this kind of, you know, why are we always promoting ways to to get high and to, you know, to drink? I mean, there are certain cultures that just promote that. And I, you know, I live in a place that 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 has a little bit more restriction on that. And I actually like it. So it's, it's a strange little road between the, how much freedom and acceptance of those things versus, you know, laws that, that prevent them. Um, God, I, I don't know. I don't have an answer. Um, I like the fact that there's choice. And I, I like the fact that in the United States, it's a, it's a really unique country and that states are so, so different in terms of their rules, their regulations, their culture, their feel, what's going on. Um, I want to circle back on one thing real quick before I forget. You mentioned theater of the deceiver, which yeah. was a phrase I said I like. That reminded me of a podcast or Romecast episode that our, our buddy Neil Kramer did. Um, and I know I've mentioned him a few times through the show, and I think you and I both really appreciate his work. And as an era, esoteric Christian, I'd say leader in the field, he's just a really fascinating and deep guy. Yeah. But he did a Rome cast where he mentioned a term called dramaturgy. Um, and, and I think what he was referring to was theater of the deceiver, meaning that this world is a stage in the sense that it. It, it has these themes that sort of can wake people up if they pay attention, almost like Shakespearean plays. There's like this underlying theme, this, this story he's telling un, un, underneath the surface. I think Neil is saying that <clears throat> dramaturgy is God's way of creating this theater that we're all like immersed in that wakes us up, that can wake us up. And some people choose to go deeper into that theater and really be, overcome by it and other people choose to step away from it and sort of see it for what it is and that can become an awakening point for a lot of people and i think i, I that's why i really liked your term theater of the deceiver because if we treat it like theater we can see the deceiver in it in, a, in so many different places yeah you can in duality in general like some people think that lucifer is duality but like i find that substances both take me away from the theater they give me maybe a more neutral perspective yeah. on it and they ingrain me deeper into the theater so it's like well let's take both of them uh, alcohol what it'll do is it'll make me see my life from a higher angle i'll see oh dude everything's actually so chill um and at the same time it'll make me more worldly that i want the bling and i want the girls and i want the thrills and i'm like wait a minute dude and so that gets this weird dichotomy, even with the substances. And then with psychedelics, it'll definitely shift my whole mindset. So I could look at my mind or my kind of cognitive mode from a different perspective and say, what? Oh, dude, there's a whole different way to see all of this. Yeah. And yet, yeah. like, it, it seems to ingrain people pretty much in the world, too. Like, I look at some of the psychonauts and all the, the psychedelic um, renaissance pioneers like Timothy Leary and Ram Dass and Terence McKenna. And in their older age, they weren't these glorious kind of noble symbols of respect and dignity and 
and there wasn't like this this wisdom radiating from them. Like Terence McKenna right. would say, well, if psychedelics enlighten people, then how come I'm still the way that I am? And how come I'm supposedly a nightmare to make a book deal with? And how come I haven't had a successful marriage and all that kind of stuff? Like I right. appreciate his authenticity. So, but it seems like these substances do give you both a, a different perspective, but they don't let you properly tap into that. They actually maybe, uh, it, maybe it, it ingrains you more into into the world, into the well, isn't it? Doesn't that just bring up the question of, of does God want us to have that perspective? He gives us so much freedom. There's so much evidence that God wants us to have freedom and to choose well with that freedom. That's sort of, I think, what God is doing. He's yeah. creating a family with those people who are on this earth who choose him. And I, I, what always comes into my mind is there are these realms and these dimensions that are so fascinating that we can tap into. But should we? Should yeah. we do that? And those those people that you mentioned, like you said, they're psychedelic pioneers. Are, I mean, really, really fascinating stuff that's come out of all of them. But were any yeah. of them Christian? Were any of them, like right. you said, really high nobility people? Were they really like respectable people that you would want to um, follow in terms of how you live your life? And, and I, I don't know them super duper well, so I can't totally speak on that. But from my outside perspective, I'd say no. Um, so do we really want to go down that path? Do we really want to be taking ayahuasca journeys down, um, in the rainforest? I, I'm not going to say yes or no, but the, 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 highest nobility people that I know are, are ones that kind of recommend against that at this point. And I think the glory of God is a, is a much, much higher purpose. And are we glorifying God by doing that? Are we finding ways within ourselves to glorify God? I mean, my answer has to be no. Um, so I, I'm going to, you know, I choose in my life that I'm not going to partake in psychedelics. Marijuana, if you call it a psychedelic, maybe like once a year. Um, if, if the time is right or I'm in the right situation, but nothing harder than that. I don't want to go down that. I don't want to go down that road. I don't feel like it's going to be a benefit to me. I feel like everything productive in my life, everything that I've, come to that is good did not come from drugs and did not come from alcohol it came from my own seeking of god and mostly in my sober state so I, i'm going to take that as evidence that sobriety is probably the best place for me to spend most of my time yeah yeah me too bro that's what i'm going to do is because uh, i know that you can tap into these same states through the holy spirit i was at a men's camp and i had an experience with the holy spirit that was exactly like being stoned and having that mystical experience and actually psychotic, which was a beautiful experience. Um, and yet I could completely control it. It's like you said in the beginning, yeah. I don't know if you can actually steer the the trip, if you're like, what you're going to steer. Right. But when you're right. with the Holy Spirit, he brings the fruit of the Spirit, which is self-control. And so I know it's a very similar state of consciousness. And um, and yeah, I mean, that's what Rick Strassman discovered as he did his DMT studies, the active ingredients in ayahuasca is that there is a higher dimension and that dimension is inhabited by sometimes self-dribbling basketballs, machine elves, like giant praying mantises. Um, and these, these beings kind of have control over us, man. We're not the, we're not the ones making the rules in that domain. And so there's a hierarchy of spirits too. So like the general or the kind of head of a hierarchy can kick out lower level demons and maybe give you victory over smoking or even victory over alcoholism or something because they're taking more territory on a kind of higher level. That's how right. one of my family members who's done a bunch of these substances describes it. And so I think we, we really can 
access these states of consciousness, but it's like Carl Jung said, beware of unearned wisdom. You don't want to just take a, a substance that gets you there immediately because we're vulnerable little creatures. And so like if it is a mountain, yes, we are. like, you know, it, it, climbing the, the peak of the mountain, as you're climbing the mountain, sober, putting in the effort, you're developing the muscles, you're developing the perseverance, you're developing the, the exactly layer right. of the land. If you teleport to the top of the mountain, maybe you will get a similar perspective, but you can't handle the mountain lions who are looking around the corner because you're weak and scrawny. You don't know how that perspective exactly right. fits into the, the the slowly ascending perspective. You can't see how that town connects with this town. We're always looking for the shortcut, right? The, the pill that's going to help us lose weight, the, you know, right. instead of doing the work. And I think God wants us to do the work. Yeah, which is not, not a great, it's not a very popular message in our drive-through breakthrough culture but if that's the way that it is and the fallen angels in the book of first enoch taught people the cutting of roots as to get spiritual power then maybe we don't mm -hmm. want to be taking the advice of the fallen angels but rather going through the narrow path exactly right i love that that you brought up um first book of enoch i think that's something that we could talk about that book and the the the, the fallen angels and the the Watchers and the Nephilim, I think that's something that's a very, very, very interesting topic that's being talked about more and more, more, and more in Christian circles now. Um, but I think, you know, something else that I've tossed around in my mind is that there's a new earth coming. There's a new heaven and a new earth coming. And, and God's people will be on that new earth. And I can only imagine it in my human brain, but God can create it from God's perspective. So just imagine what could be waiting there. Yeah. Imagine the, the realms of possibility um, that, that exist there. So all of these things that we're trying to get to might be us craving what we may actually get to realize in, 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 in the new earth. Yeah. Um, so sometimes I think they're, they're, I mean, our world shows us that discipline has, ha creates positive results. And I think in general, sometimes we just have to have discipline over things and the result may not even come in this, in this world or in this lifetime. It may be God saying, you know, hold off on that. I got you. I know you want to do this. I know you want to experience that it'll come. But wait till you get to this new earth. I've got a whole level of it that you have no idea about when you arrive there. I think that is really exciting because, shoot, if God's creating a new earth without the evil one here, that's where we may get to really tap into some of these things that you and I are interested in and may have experienced, but do it in a, in a, in a way that isn't susceptible to demonic forces being part of it. Beautiful, man. That is so exciting. Like we can't even imagine it's exceedingly beyond what we can dream or imagine what God's reality is that he's creating for Absolutely. us. And he put the desires in our heart. Like he knows, he knows that we want this stuff. That's right. But it's it's almost like the marshmallow test within psychology where a kid can have one marshmallow mm -hmm. if they eat it mm -hmm. now. Or if you wait, mm -hmm. you get two marshmallows. That's right. Or like C.S. Lewis said that, uh, why would you be content playing with mud pies in your backyard when a vacation at the ocean has been promised to you? With this, it's just so much better. So that same little thing that yes. you're craving in the substance, oh, don't worry. There's a there's a beautiful thing on the horizon, but you got to kind of leave the backyard. You got to leave that that mud pie, but it's going to be glorious. I think that's, that's a cool exactly right. kind of eschatological way to round things up, man. But I'd, I'd yeah. be interested to hear if you had any other thoughts about this topic. It's been a great one. 
I think so too. I think it's really a practical topic that affects a lot of people. And if there are people out there listening and you're, you're, you know, you have experiences that, that you want to share, we would absolutely love to hear them. I know we don't, yep. we haven't set up an email just yet, but I think at a certain point, Josh and I will discuss just grabbing an email address. And we'll probably put it in the description um, when we do set it up in the description of this podcast. So if you're listening to this episode and we have not yet created an email, um, we will do so soon. So check back. And, and if you're listening to this later, there may already be an email address there. So, so send us an email. I mean, Josh and I share some really interesting and unique perspectives we feel, but we know that there are a lot of other people out there who also share what we have gone through, what we're going through, what we think, what we are exploring and trying to learn. So, so, you know, join the conversation and just, just send us what you're experienced with alcohol, with drugs, um, with how they fit into your, your life, your spiritual life, your Christian life. Um, that stuff is really, really interesting to us and, and helps us learn and grow as, um, as faithful, faithful servants of God and Christ. So, um, yeah, I feel, I feel like we've covered a ton as we always do. And I was, I'm, I'm always happy to have these chats with you, man. I'm always happy to go, go there with you, my friend. You're probably one of the few people in my, um, 40 plus years of existence that, uh, that I can have these conversations with. Luckily my wife is one of them. There's a few others, but you are you are you are certainly one of very very few people that I can talk about this stuff on this level with. So I appreciate you, my friend. Oh, I appreciate you, Mark. Really, bro. These are some of my favorite conversations. You know, I think a lot of people think about these kinds of things and they talk about them with a few people in their inner circle. And if we gathered all those people together and we could have this larger conversation, I think there would be flat out revelation that comes from that. So yeah appreciate you so much man and and your intellect and your spirit and your diligence and and all of that and asking you shall receive we actually have an email address it's esotericwaypodcast at gmail.com so what if you guys would want to share and a that, story that wasn't added later no dude i added this there right <laughs> that that's no, right I'm, now i'm remembering that you might have told me that but that's that's excellent man Let's make Austin, sure we've I got shall that receive esoteric way podcast at gmail.com. You guys send your stories or like any other topics that you want us to speak to. Um, because this is a is larger conversation. No, it's just esoteric way. Esoteric way. Bear in mind awesome. in America, you, awesome. you really pronounce it esoteric. And so if you're trying to Google how to spell that, you may want to say esoteric. But being South African, <laughs> I say esoteric way podcast. Keep it that way, my friend, as we've talked about. Well, Always great. And then maybe, maybe I'll pray us out today. Thank you. If man. you're okay with that. Please, let's do it. Father in heaven, first of all, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come together and speak to people, hopefully all around the world, who know that, that, that they are similar to so many others and that there is a community, a growing community of followers of Christ who want to know more about who you are, God, and how you work in this realm and what you want us to do to be diligent followers of you, Lord. We thank yes. you for this opportunity so much. We pray that throughout this week that you just lead both of our lives through Josh, through myself, through our families, and through the larger community. We we pray that you open more eyes to you, Lord, and, and uh, again, bring people together and know that we are a community. We are the larger body for you, Lord. We thank you again so much for everything that you bring us in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' holy name. 
Amen. Yes, my brother. Thanks for that. That was beautiful. Well, I really appreciate you, man. And I'll catch you next time. Absolutely. Catch you next time. Bye. God bless. Rise and rose to reclaim